Hey, Christian Alonso are here. We've got some news for you, and we're going to double up on Mavericks. We got a review of Top Gun Maverick, which is going to be in theaters this week. But also, we've gone into the Wayback Machine to check out the original 1986 Top Gun. Yes, we have so many trailers for you, all of which I have watched. (laughs) Alonzo has not watched them, and that's okay. I appreciate your dedication to purity. I do. I get it. I I like being a tabula rasa. What can I tell you? I hear you. So we've got a lot of that. Um, We've got actually a lot of news. But first, one of our coolest movie house shout outs ever. We are traveling to Alaska for this one for the Beartooth Theater Pub in Anchorage. They're sort of like a mini Alamo draft house in Anchorage. Um, They began life as a restaurant and it became a theater. And now they're both. And you can get craft beer from their craft brewery there. And uh, they do... Not necessarily first run stuff, but maybe things that have been out for a few weeks. So like they're going to be showing happening soon, which we've mm-hmm. reviewed here recently. Um, they do like cool documentaries about Alaska, but a lot of it is just the experience of being there together and this yeah. uh, having a little meal, getting a burger from the restaurant. And- if you wanted to see Memoria in Alaska, that this was the place to go. <laughs> there you go. If you take your little tiny plane from whatever other faraway part of Alaska <laughs> that you're in and fly there. Um, but they're having some trouble since COVID, like so many theaters have and so many restaurants have and that is with staffing and so they're looking for kitchen staff they're only doing matinees on the weekends because they just don't have enough staff to have Mm. nighttime showings in the weekend so this is a place that definitely could use your eyeballs and your support the bear tooth theater pub in anchorage a really cool place it does great programming and uh, they have a beautiful art deco marquee and uh, we'll link to them below so good to see you guys out there and this is a recommendation from one of your friends alonzo yeah from uh, a longtime listener of linoleum knife as uh uh, anthony peranto has talked this place up a lot and so when we started talking about indie theaters i was like oh oh i I know one. I know yes. one. <laughs> so thank you for letting us put a pin in Alaska, a state we have not gotten to yet. So thank you for that. Um, we've got a ton of trailers. The new Thor Love and Thunder trailer came out, which shows in all her majesty, totally buff Natalie Portman. Okay. <laughs> You're like, I believe you. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I, I, I created the picture that's our, our header this week. I was like, okay, yes, yeah, she's holding that Mjolnir all right. She uh, is. That's so, what yeah, he's, he's shocked about that, that like somebody else, you know, is worthy of Mjolnir. Exactly. Besides Cap. Right. Um, so, Jane. yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm real curious. I mean, you know, obviously, I think they had to really sweeten the pot to get uh, Natalie Portman to come back. Um, but, you know, I think with between her and Taika Waititi, I'm real curious to see where this one goes. It looks fun. We also have the trailer for the horribly titled Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part, Part One. one. <laughs> like, how do you even punctuate all of that? Because there's already a colon in Mission Impossible, and <laughs> oh, then there's like right. a dash, <laughs> dash. Part one, I, I'm confused. Semicolon, I don't even know. <laughs> Parentheses, part one. So anyway, that's out. And that's got, of course, all the things you want from Tom Cruise. Today is, is Tom Cruise Day, apparently, because it's Top Gun Tuesday. Um, yes. we're, we're doing all the tops, Tops Gun. Uh, the, yes, the, the attorneys general. And and go to, <laughs> go to ESPN.com, where Christy is quoted in an article about Tom Cruise running. It's really funny. Yeah, my buddy it's Ryan Hawkins. It's a long Hawkins. article it is. running. But he interviewed like me and Jackie Joyner Kersey. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, I, I love that they, they did take the sports angle on all of this. So that was really fascinating. Ryan Hawkinsmith, friend of the show, a longtime listener. So that was fun to talk about that. We'll link to that below. Uh, we have a trailer also for the David Bowie documentary, which is just premiering at Cannes right about yes. now called Moon Age Daydream. This is done 
with the will and support of the Bowie estate, which is not something that anything else really has gotten, I don't think. Yeah, definitely. And so it's, it's Brett Morgan who did the Kurt Cobain montage of Heck documentary. And the you know early word out of Canada has been really great. Steve Pond wrote a rather effusive review for The Wrap. Um, so yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing it. Did you see the farewells on Saturday Night Live from some of the big cast members who were saying goodbye? I did. I did. They had so they we had we had one last alien abduction for Kate McKinnon, uh, one last trend forecast from uh, uh, A.D. Bryant, uh, one last just sort of rambling whatever on weekend update from Pete Davidson. And then Kyle Mooney didn't really get like a showpiece necessarily, but they they had a fun sketch that had you know, him and A.D. Bryant and uh, Kate McKinnon at the end of the show. So, yeah, it was it was all well handled. Yeah, I thought that Kate McKinnon got choked up at the end of her cold open there where she, she finally takes off in the spaceship with her alien friends. Mm. Um, so that was really sweet. She'd been there for a long time. Um, the Dave Chappelle accuser is explaining why he rushed the stage. He was angry about jokes he was making. This gentleman says he's bisexual. He was triggered by them. He wanted Dave Chappelle to know that it's not cool to do this. Perhaps there's some other way to express that sentiment besides rushing the stage. Absolutely. (laughs) No one here is condoning violence, Um, you know, uh, but yeah, I I think it is important that we do have this conversation about it because Chappelle doesn't seem to want to. No. And which brings us next to Ricky Gervais who has a new Netflix special mm. in which like a few minutes in, he's making trans jokes. And then at the end, he says, of course, I'm just kidding. Everyone should identify as how they see fit. Everyone should live their lives as they see fit, whatever. You know, so he's trying to like have it both ways. Like I think uh-huh. in the beginning, what he's joking about the fact that he's not supposed to joke about these things and it's punching down needlessly. There are a million other things you can make jokes about. And I don't even know that it's so much he wants to joke about this, but he wants to not be told that he can't. Right. Uh, you know, do, are you familiar with the phrase vice signaling? No. What is that? So, okay. So the, 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 uh, an accusation that assholes like to throw around is virtue signaling, whereby if you actually stand up on behalf of people who are having a shitty time of it or saying in public, hey, maybe you shouldn't be such a bag of shit, um, <laughs> that you're, you're virtue signaling. You're oh. letting everybody know what a great guy you are and how, you know, how, how progressive you are and blah, blah, blah. But there is an equal and uh, awful thing called vice signaling, which is basically like, check me out. I know it's going to tell me what to do. Fuck you, you know? <laughs> and, and so that's just as boring. Yeah. And obvious and kind of adolescent. Like you can't tell me to come home biker. If you all stay out, it's, it's very, you know, like don't tell me I can't dad. be online right now. You're not my real dad. So it's, it does seem like that. Like it's a very childish and kind of petty and spiteful instinct. Yeah. I have thought he was funny. I have loved Dave Chappelle's comedy over the years. So Absolutely. it's disappointing to see this instinct from these people. Yeah. I mean, um, you know, which I think brings us to the Ellen article in the LA yes. times. Yeah. Our uh, friend Matt Brennan at the LA times did a really brilliant, thoughtful piece in Sunday's calendar section about the end of Ellen. Ellen's last episode after 19 seasons is this Thursday. And mm-hmm. it's all about, it gets, it gets its arms around how complicated she is as not just a pop culture figure, but as a queer icon. I mean, you, 
please explain it better than I can. Yeah. I mean, so basically, you know, here's somebody who like, you know, changed the culture, you know, when she came out on her TV show and, you know, really kind of uh, uh, led the way for a lot of things and, and then went from being like this person whose sitcom got canceled for being too queer to being like the queen of daytime, you know, like your mom and your grandma would tune in every day to watch Ellen and she became like, you know, the sort of lovable figure who could bring different audiences together and could sort of speak for, you know, being the part of this, you know, minority that she was on, but at the same time, very approachable and very cuddly and all that stuff, you know, following in the footsteps of, of Rosie O'Donnell. Mm-hmm. Um, but then over the course of, you know, her, her fame, you start to see, you start to hear all the stories about what's going on in that show and what a terrible environment it is and how like people are, are talking about how toxic a workplace is and how she's not doing anything about it despite her reputation for I'm so nice. And, you know, pers- everybody in LA has an Ellen story, you yeah. know, about her being not so nice. And then like her defense of Kevin Hart or her sort of glib defense of hanging out with George W. Bush or, you know, getting called out by Dakota Johnson. You just sort of, you know, it, 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 she kind of brings upon herself this whole, you know, what's happened to her career. And it mainly has to do with the, the sort of cocoon that happens mm. when you become a certain level of rich and a certain level of famous. And you just think that the, the stuff doesn't apply to you anymore. And when the people that you're trying to defend are your other rich and famous friends, even if they're doing something shitty, um, you know, then that's, you become this level of tone deaf and you alienate a large swath of your audience. And I think one could point to Chappelle and Gervais as being yeah. in the same boat. The, no one is there to tell them, Hey, maybe don't, um, you know, and they think they, that whatever they do is brilliant and, and whatever they do is great. And they lose sight of what actually is happening in the world because they are ensconced in their, you know, their luxury and privilege. Indeed. Well said. I cannot add to that at all, um, but I will link to Matt's piece down it's below. Piece. It's really good. Um, I messaged him on Twitter afterward. And I'm like, that was excellent. And he's like, I've never been so nervous in my life to put something <laughs> out there, but he did, he did beautiful. This is personal for him too. So anyway, sure, yeah. um, we have that. Um, X is out on Blu-ray and digital. We reviewed that maybe a month nice. or so back. So uh, c- go find that review. And then an exciting- You'll put the link below, right? We will put the link below or maybe in the end card if you want to stick around to the very end of our video there there's a little go. end card and we can go right to it and there's some exciting casting news <laughs> rita moreno is joining the cast of fast x as dom's grandma if she didn't already have the egot <laughs> this would give it to this her would, would it one. not hey, they better let her drive one of those cars Oh, for sure. She better yeah, not be yeah. just like showing up for Sunday dinner because it's hashtag family. Like she better <laughs> go to drive one of the cars. Yeah, yeah. She needs to pull up in like something real vintage and Detroit muscly. Yeah, absolutely. You guys, danger zone. Danger zone. <laughs> Top Gun Maverick opens this week after what seems like years of delays. Uh, Tell us about it, Chrissy. Well, Tom Cruise is an assistant upon the theatrical experience. And for this, I do not blame him. (laughs) For this movie, sure, yeah. You have to see this in a theater because you've got to experience like the room of like the sound design and you want to see it and you want to see that like clearly Tom Cruise is in the plane and Mm. he's pulling G's and he (laughs) wants you to see that. And so, uh, as you said, it can so succinctly like this was never going to be streaming. Like there's just absolutely no way. So here you go. So go see it at a theater this weekend. Um, Top Gun Maverick. It is 36 years since the original Top Gun. This is essentially Top Gun in a lot of ways. Like oh, yeah. from the opening, from the very, very opening where you hear like, 
bong. Like it is the Harold Faltermeyer score. It is the exact same full screen of like in 1969, the U.S. Yeah. government did it. They call they, it they, Top Gun. The guys on the on the aircraft carrier. Like I didn't realize until going back to rewatch Top Gun for the other review we did this week. Like, oh, they basically just did the exact same beginning. And they play Danger Zone. Yeah. So and he now Don Simpson's to, name is back in it. You know? Yes, they now have to. They now. Maverick has to teach a bunch of young pilots, including Goose's son, played by Miles Teller. He's got to train them how to do this mission, which is essentially blowing up the Death Star. Yeah, and like, like there's literally a thermal <laughs> port involved. It's like a very narrow canyon they have to navigate and then like make the perfect little pinpoint shot. This is not a spoiler, by the way. No, do not get angry. This is not a spoiler. Um, so you get this ragtag band of attractive young people <laughs> who eventually will play shirtless football. And um, the love interest now is Jennifer Connelly, who is the aforementioned Admiral's daughter. She is Penny Benjamin. All the math is off on this. Uh, like if you yeah. want to do math. So Miles Teller's character as Should a little boy. 40 by now. Right. He was like, what, four, <laughs> three or four years old. The piano yeah. when Goose plays Great Balls of Fire in the bar. Yeah. Now he's Miles Teller. <laughs> anyway, I had so much fun. I had so much fun. And I recognize the innate hypocrisy of this. So before you come at me, trust me, I recognize it myself. But this does everything I hated about the Ghostbusters reboot but it does it really, really well. Like it shows you all the things you knew from the original. It actually inserts little pieces of film from the original in case you couldn't get what the reference was. It does some handholding that I found a little obnoxious, but- Like coming to America did? <laughs> yeah, but like, you know, there's, there's, anyway, I won't say what it does, but there are pieces from the original Top Gun in this as, to remind you what is at stake here emotionally. But it is so well made. It is so thrillingly edited. It is Tom Cruise getting to return to an iconic role, perhaps the iconic role of his career, but it's not just the same old Maverick. Yes, he is swaggering. Yes, he still rides a motorcycle without a helmet, but he gets to evolve and in, show some age in ways that I thought were interesting. I had a really good time. It's, just, it's like it is the kind of giant star vehicle that we need to launch the summer. And I am shocked at how much I enjoyed myself. And I know that you did not enjoy yourself quite so much. Well, yes and no. I was entertained. <laughs> I, I will acknowledge that this is a this is an entertainment machine. Like when people talk about movies being like a theme park ride, that's what this is, mm -hmm. and that's not necessarily a compliment. Um, but you know, <laughs> it is what it is, and it does that thing very well. But I think this movie is principally a Gen X fantasy where you get to be the old guy who gets called in and, you know, to to teach the best and the brightest of the next generation, and you're better than all of them. <laughs> you know, that's basically what's happening here. And, uh, you know, Tom Cruise is, you know, look, he, he knows exactly what he's doing. He knows how to be this guy. He knows how to be this movie star. It's a, I'm a, I get a little melancholy when I think Aww. about the fact that like, well, look, he took his chits from the first Top Gun. He was like, I'm going to make a Scorsese movie. I'm going to make a Kubrick movie. I'm going to work with Oliver Stone. I'm going to, you know, Paul Thomas Anderson. I'm going to like work with all these really cool auteurs. And now he's just in the sequel business and he just makes this and Mission Impossible movies. And that's like all he wants to do. And so that's kind of a bummer, I think. But 
he's doing it 150%, you know? <laughs> and so if that's what you want to see, you're going to get it. And, you know, the new pilots are a pretty generic bunch of nothing for the most part, <laughs> but you know, the actual flying sequences are still exciting. Mm -hmm. It's funny. You mentioned about like, you know, you want to see this in the theater. I remember my experience with the first Top Gun was like seeing it in the theater thinking it was awesome. Seeing it on 16 millimeter at my college, you know, movie theater later being like, this is okay. Watching it on VHS being like, oh, wait, this is terrible. <laughs> so yeah, I would say this is a movie you like shell out for the IMAX or the D box yeah. or the Dolby house or whatever your local theater has. If you're, if you're going to go out and see this mm -hmm. thing, get the full sachet because you want all of the bells and whistles. Cause really all this movie is is bells and whistles. You want the ass rumbling sound, whatever yes. it is where the seats vibrate. You want that. Exactly. Um, they weave in the lady Gaga song very nicely. I thought she gets a music by co-credit alongside yeah. Hans Zimmer and Harold Faltermeyer. So they, I think they, they pay homage to the original, but also take it in new directions. And they weave in the melody of her song throughout kind of the way they use Used the take my breath away right. synth throughout. I like that Jennifer Connelly is an age appropriate love interest for him. And she's great. She's not just the girl. Like no, increasingly, she... increasingly in Top Gun, Kelly McGillis became just the girl who was there to like be supportive and make eyes at him. But <laughs> she's a badass. She runs the bar. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, there's a they, they work Val Kilmer in in a way that I thought yes. was very respectful and very poignant. And yes, gives him a nice moment, which I thought was really great. Um, you know, and, and I, 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 maybe it's just me. I hear that bong now, and all I think of is Taco Bell. Uh, well, it's <laughs> funny you mentioned that because the guy who directed this, Joseph Kaczynski, did the Taco Bell nacho fries ad. Oh, funny. Okay, with so Josh part Duhamel. Of the, the Taco Bell cinematic universe, then. <laughs> Um, yeah, I, look, I, like this was a movie where I was kind of sitting there going like, well, that's bullshit. And this is ridiculous. And why, why are they flying a mission in a country that is never named, you know, well, um, Alonzo, it's a snowy mountainous country that has uranium. Hmm. <laughs> yeah. So, but, but at the same time, I was like, well, that's exciting. Ooh, that's cool. Ooh, you know, it's like, yeah, I, I, I hated myself for it, but I, I was entertained by right. this thing that would not stop until it entertained me. It's just so well done. That like you have to just sort of surrender to it. Like, yes, I want to be swept away now. And and this was delayed for a while. And I like it feels like it's time. And I think like our collective enthusiasm for it is, that we will bring to this, a lot of folks yeah. will bring to this, is part of the experience. Yeah, and I'm and I'm seeing some reviews out there that are insanely adulatory. Like the number <laughs> of one hundreds this movie has on Metacritic right now. I'm like. Okay, <laughs> I, I, I wish I'd seen that movie, but all right. Well, <laughs> so the original there's, top... a, there's a hunger for this thing, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, the original Top Gun won an Oscar for best original song for "Take My Breath Away," and it got nominated mm -hmm. for a bunch of other ones for um, technical stuff like editing. We'll we'll talk about the original Top Gun in, in a separate review. Um, but yeah, people were like, "Could this be the best picture? Does Tom Cruise finally win?" his best actor Oscar. I'm like, no, but it's really fun summer entertainment. Yeah. And frankly, maybe because the Academy Awards don't mean anything. So, you know, anything is on the table, I suppose. But what is your number? We have very different numbers, even though I think we agree on a lot here. Yeah, I gave it a six. So which okay. is like I gave it's I'm a fresh on Rotten Tomatoes, but it's like my lowest fresh. OK, I'm saying 8.8. .8. I had a really good okay. time, even though I knew exactly what it was doing 
felt bad about myself afterward. But you and I had a really good time, did we not? At the screening, sure. yes, we no had question. fun. All right, so Top Gun Maverick out in the world. There are some playing it tonight, like a sneak of it tonight. But I know yeah. that Thursday night and then all Memorial Day weekend is playing right. a thousand times a day at every the theater in the country. Open. Oh yeah, no, it's hilarious. Go to your like local multiplex and just look at the columns of showtimes. Like that's all that's happening this weekend. You cannot stop. Orders. You cannot stop Tom Cruise. No, no, we won't. Let Don't you. even try. Okay, you guys. So we had to go back and rewatch the original Top Gun from 1986, which I've seen about a thousand times, but it had been a little while. So wanted to rewatch that um, with Top Gun Maverick coming out this week. You have seen it. Clearly, you know what it's about. But Alonzo, will you give us a brief refresher on the original Top Gun? Sure. So uh, Maverick and Goose are uh, a pair of hotshot pilots and uh, they are always, you know, getting into trouble for their for their wild, you know, uh, Maverick ways. Uh, <laughs> and when the, the, the guy who is the top of their squadron um, decides to like has kind of a midair freak out and decides he wants to go home and take care of his kid. Um, they move up to the top of the, to, of their group and they get sent off to top gun, which is the very elite best of the best, you know, um, pilot training school that uh, happens in San Diego. And uh, you know, you basically want to be the top of the class and Maverick thinks that he's going to be, uh, but he has to contend with Iceman who is a cool customer and a better pilot question mark. Um, <laughs> He uh, Maverick uh, has a relationship with Charlie, who is a, uh, a PhD in astrophysics and a teacher at Top Gun. Uh, she is fascinated because he's one of the few people who's had an up close encounter with a MIG. Um, and as the two of them begin a relationship, um, he then goes off in a training exercise in which, through no fault of his own, in an accident, Goose is killed and um, he is shaken. He doesn't think he can fly anymore, but then he graduates and immediately they're all called into action. And he goes back into the field with a new radio guy played by Tim Robbins. I so funny. Uh, and they beat the Ruskies and save the day and hooray. Yeah. Um, I forgot how gay this is. So gay. <laughs> I forgot how gay this was. <laughs> Like I remember the beach volleyball and the locker room stuff, but I'd forgotten about the guy early on who like they're looking at some Intel or something. And he goes, this gives me a hard on. And his radio guy says, don't tease. I'm like, what? What movie? Come on. Yeah. No, there's, there's so many lingering, smoldering looks and like, what's the line you like where it's like, you can't tell if they're going to beat each other up or make out with each other. (laughs) Basically. Yeah. Are they going to fight or make out? It's a lot Uh, of that. (laughs) I can't, I, I can't remember if this is from that famous Tarantino monologue or somebody else pointed it out, but like even Kelly McGillis, when she really wants to seal the deal with Tom Cruise, like dresses in a in a like a you know flight jacket and pants and Mm -hmm. a and a cap like she almost sort of butches it up in a way to be like more masculine even though she's still got like a a a nice red lip um we forgot to mention this in the top gun maverick review kelly mcgillis is a huge character in this movie who is not mentioned in the sequel like they kill off meg ryan they do all this stuff we get we touch base on all these characters from the first top gun it's like she never existed right and I'd, I'd forgotten that, you know, at the end of Top Gun, they end up together because yes, he becomes he an instructor and sh- and they repeat the whole flirty exchange they have when they first meet at the bar. And yeah, we assume that he ends up with her at the end of the first Top Gun. But no, he then hooks up with 
the admiral's daughter who was mentioned fleetingly a couple of times, Penny Benjamin, yeah. which like, again, doing the math, was she 17? <laughs> How old is Jennifer Connelly supposed to have been when she, she, she was and Miles daughter? Teller were in the same like time anomaly that like, you know, made it made it made it made them work in this movie. Yeah. Um, yeah. The Gelly McGillis <laughs> is, is released entirely. Um, That's really interesting. But this is like, you know, predominantly in pop culture, like the archetypal Tom Cruise role, right? Yeah. Like, and he's it, such a baby in this movie. His face is so smooth, yes. And um, but the thing where he comes in and he's the arrogant hot shot, and then he has to have his comeuppance, and then he has to build himself back up again, doing things the right way. That's like pretty much every important Tom Cruise character ever. It's definitely yeah. risky business. Rain man. It's yeah, it's, it's yeah, he comes in swaggering. And then like has to learn his lesson. (laughs) Totally. All of them. Magnolia. Yeah, 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 true. Um, Yeah. I mean, it it is interesting to go back and because I had not watched this in decades and sort of to sort of just look at the evolution of Tom Cruise. And what's weird is you kind of realize that in this movie, all of his Tom Cruise isms feel very spontaneous and organic. And now it kind of feels like he's, performing them you know what i mean like there's something almost and i'm not even talking about like you know when you talk about aging actors and what do they do to their face and blah blah blah. like i have no idea and i don't care (laughs) there's something very baby jane hudson about how he continues to try and summon that 1986 energy in 2022 rather than sort of settle into more of a, you know, eminence grise kind of thing. Like he's still bringing that, you know, the, 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 the boyish puckish charm. And so that's a little weird, but in 86, it was totally natural. And you see why this is the movie that made him a megastar. That's really interesting. Yeah. He's cause he's so proud of the fact that he's doing his own stunts. He's doing all of his own running, you know, there's, there's all that, that running. Uh, and, and he even jokes about that. That's like on his Twitter bio, like yeah. running in movies since 1981. <laughs> like he knows that we laugh about this. Um, but yeah, why does he keep clinging to that? I guess because even though he, as you pointed out in, I think our previous review, he used all of his clout to go work with really interesting directors. There is still like that laser like focus of the through line of, the movie star version of himself that he wants to put out to the world. And yeah. so, um, and so he does do his own stunts. He does work the red carpet and shake every single hand and remember every single person's name and play that game. But yeah, <sighs> here it all just seemed very exciting. Um, is this a good movie? Is Top Gun good? I don't know. I don't think <laughs> it is, but it is, it's a spectacle, you know, it definitely like Mark Harris has a great sort of takedown where he talks about how it's basically, this is the movie that like the generation that grew up on video games and music videos responded to because it cuts out all the like building blocks and just goes right to the sensations, you know? And, um, and so, yeah, I, it is, it, it is weird. What's weird looking back on it is how, I mean, you know, it's so overtly gay, but even just like, and I don't know what's the tail and what's the dog here. I don't know if like uh-huh. gay porn started looking like Top Gun or vice versa, <laughs> but like Barry Tubb and like uh, Adrian Pazdar, like the, 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 the other pilots who have like one or two lines of dialogue are all so pretty. Like there's so much like Rick Rossovich with the, the posing oh, and the flexing. So like it's all so porny, but like, again, I don't know if it's just the porn looks like Top Gun or Top Gun looks like porn, but um, it, yeah, it, it, it is very much 
a, a if you want an idea of like what was the Reagan era like and how did it manifest in movies, this is the one of the first ones you go to. Because it is so rah-rah. It is so it's, USA, it, USA. It, it, yeah, it's so rah-rah. Like, you know, the I mean, like as opposed to the new movie where they didn't want to say what country they're invading. Like here's like we're going toe-to-toe with the Russians and we're mm-hmm. blasting them out of the sky. And is that gonna start World War Three? Oop, not our problem, you know. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it, it, this movie is such a recruitment ad. Huh. Uh, and it literally was. I mean, I think you you would always hear you would hear for decades after about like people who joined the Navy because they saw a top gun. Um, yeah, and then Tom Cruise playing volleyball shirtless in jeans is like something out of Tom <laughs> Finland. Is it not? Yeah, that's the, that. That is weird. Like it reminds me of well, it's a, it's a long story, but there was a <laughs> there, there was a gay couple on a on a daytime soap opera a couple of years ago, and they finally got to have sex. But uh, like afterwards, you see them both like with they've got like towels around their shoulders, like they just come out of the shower, but they're both wearing jeans inside and they're shirtless. It's like what's even happening? here it's an ethos um so yeah so no was this a good movie i just recall the joy of being swept away by it and just the the fun of it but yeah looking back now and seeing how much more high-tech top gun maverick is now 36 years later like top gun looks really cheesy in retrospect and i mean there's a real hackiness to it i mean like i look as uh, a i was an, as a 19 year old i thought the sex scene between tom cruise and kelly mcgillis was pretty hot but then uh. i hadn't really had sex yet and looking <laughs> at it now it's just kind of ridiculous <laughs> well it's very of that era like 80s kind of erotic looking with like the blue lighting the blue, and yeah and, the and they're silhouetted right like he leads with his tongue when he kisses mm. her like, you can like see his tongue first when yeah they don't have a whole lot of chemistry but like they fake it with mood and with that song and her but she i think is gorgeous in this movie and smart and magnetic and all this stuff and so it really pisses me off that they've just erased this character from the franchise she has amazing hair in this movie and yeah and at first she is like tough and smart and as smart as everybody in that room and as capable but but as it goes along it's not so much about her and her career as it is like her boosterism if i'm here if i'm here i'm here if you want to talk if you need anything you know and (laughs) she becomes the girl um yeah this was a trip to watch it's on netflix until may 31st so if you want to watch it before you see top gun maverick or after you see top gun maverick is out there for about another week um this won an oscar for take my breath away which giorgio moroder co-wrote yes and it was nominated for sound and for editing and for sound effects editing and did not win so there you go yeah i mean it is it is there's a lot that's impressive about it as a technical piece and you know if you like tony scott's brand of you know perfume ad razzle dazzle you definitely get that here but yeah i don't think it's a very good movie and young meg ryan and young meg ryan young adorable cute meg ryan all right let's let us know what you guys think if you see top gun again if you see top gun maverick chime in with your thoughts we would love to hear them all right. So, well, this was this was a trip down memory lane. Uh, thanks for tuning in, everybody. Check out our Patreon if you haven't already at patreon.com slash day. We're getting into it because this week we have the launch of both Stranger Things and Obi-Wan. Uh, so uh, on top of the offer. So plenty of stuff going on over there. We've got our June off the menu coming up pretty soon as well. So uh, do join us there if you haven't already. And of course, you can follow us on the social media at BeFastAllDay, at Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Thanks. We'll see you on Friday. Bye. Bye.